you thankful for that victory this evening? Amen. Victory in Jesus. No matter what obstacle, no matter what giants, no matter what will come our way, we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. Amen. So no matter what your week has been like, I want you to be encouraged by that fact that there is victory in Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you haven't found it yet, I pray you find it tonight. Amen. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. As always, uh, it's just great to be here. We're going to continue this evening our series on kingdom living. We're going to look specifically at the culture of the kingdom. We've looked at several things so far. I'm not really going to take the time to go over those and review those. But I want us to remember that this whole series, church, is about teaching us the ways of royalty. Amen. And uh, this part of the series tonight and every part of the series is to better equip us and teach us. So that's what we're going to learn tonight. We're going to learn about the culture of the kingdom. Before we do, we're going to pray one more time. Just ask the Lord to anoint me and anoint you. Prepare me. I know he's prepared me and I know he's prepared you. Now we just have to receive and let him do his thing. Amen. Father God, we just thank you that we have victory through your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that we are not conquered, but we are more than conquerors through your son, Jesus Christ. So we claim that victory this evening, Father God, victory over everything that the devil would try to bring against us, victory over even the things he would try to bring against us this evening, Father God, over the distractions and disturbances, Father God, anxieties, fears, worries, frustrations, God. I thank you for the victory we have over those things this evening. And we have them through the anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit, which we need each and every day. God, I confess my need for your Holy Spirit, Lord God, your anointing to be upon me as I bring forth your word, not my own. So, God, touch my mind, my lips, my body. Give me the strength in every area, Father God, that I might bring forth truths and revelation, Lord God, the things that you've sown into my spirit, that they might find a place in the spirits of my brothers and sisters and your sons and daughters. So anoint them as well, Father God, to receive and then anoint all of us to be doers of your word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. How many of you know that every kingdom has a culture? Every country, uh, every tribe, every nation, every kingdom, we might say, has a culture. And that culture is cultivated in the hearts and in the minds and in the lives of its people. And it manifests itself accordingly. The culture of every nation manifests itself in the lives of its people. The culture of a nation defines that nation and it defines the people as well. You look at the the different cultures of different nations all around. The cultures might vary, but the reality is the culture of that nation defines the nation and it defines the people of that nation as well. I'm going to just real quick give you the definition of culture. Every culture is the shared patterns of the behavior of its people. It is the cumulative deposit of knowledge, experience, beliefs, values, morals, attitudes, and notions of the people. And we're going to look a little bit more about the actual manifestations of the, of, of the cultures, especially the culture of the kingdom as we go along. But what I want us to first understand is that the kingdom of God has a culture. 
Just like the, the United States has a culture, just like Africa has a culture, just like England has a culture, just like every nation on the face of this earth has a culture. The kingdom of God has a culture as well. And that's mainly what we're going to look at this evening, church. The reality is, according to Romans 12, too, where we are not to be conformed to the culture of this world, but rather we to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we might demonstrate and cultivate. These are kind of my own words that we might be able to demonstrate the culture of the kingdom of God instead. You see, when you and I are conformed to the culture of this land and this world, meaning earth, meaning the kingdom of darkness, meaning the kingdom of the devil, meaning the kingdom of this world, when we, when we demonstrate and cultivate that culture in our lives, it's impossible, church, for us to demonstrate the culture of the kingdom of God. And this is exactly why God reminds us that there are two cultures that can be cultivated in our lives. The culture of the kingdom of this world or the culture of the kingdom of God. And it is our responsibilities and sons and daughters of the most high God, citizens of the kingdom of God, to cultivate the culture of that kingdom in our lives. If our entire lives is spent cultivating the culture of this earth in our lives, we're not answering or we're not fulfilling the high call of Christ, and that's to cultivate the culture of his kingdom in our lives. Why do you think one of the things that you need to understand is that in the beginning of time, when God told Adam and Eve church to go forth and multiply and subdue the earth, he was wanting them to cultivate the culture of the kingdom on this earth. He wanted, he wanted them to cultivate uh, what the definition is. He wanted them to cultivate the patterns and behaviors of the kingdom of God here on this earth. He wanted them to cultivate uh, the knowledge of the kingdom and the, the experience of the kingdom and the beliefs of the kingdom and the power of the kingdom and the knowledge of the kingdom and the values and the attitudes and the morals and the notions of the kingdom. This is what God was really trying to do when he told Adam and Eve to go forth and multiply and subdue the earth. He wanted them to deposit the culture of God's kingdom here on this earth. And the reality is he wants you and I to deposit the very same thing. He deposited everything about the kingdom of God into the lives of Adam and Eve. And he wanted them to go now make a deposit on the earth and cultivate and bring forth the kingdom of God on the earth. When you and I begin to cultivate the kingdom of God on this earth, I want you to realize it's then that the kingdom of God comes into our lives. You can sit around and pray all you want about the kingdom of God coming into your life, but until you begin to sow the kingdom, the kingdom won't come forth into your life. It's exactly what Adam and Eve were told to do, but the problem was they began to cultivate sin instead. And so they lost the kingdom of God, and they lost all of that power and the authority, and then... I'm not going to get into all that history. You know what happened. But I want you to understand that we've been given the same exact call in our life. The last thing that Jesus told us to do before he went up to be with the Father was to go therefore into all the earth and what? Preach the gospel. Really what he was telling us to do was to go and cultivate the kingdom of God. To go make a deposit on this earth so he could bring forth the kingdom of God. So that the kingdom of God could be manifest in this world rather than the kingdom of darkness. So, I lay all that foundation to tell you that you're going to manifest one of two kingdoms in your life. You're going to manifest the kingdom of darkness in the things that you cultivate in your soul and the things that you deposit in your life, or you're going to cultivate the kingdom of God in the things that you deposit in your life and the things that you cultivate in the soil of your soul. 
That's what we were told to do. One of the ways that we manifest the culture of God's kingdom, church, that's really what I'm going to look at as we go along tonight, is how the kingdom of God manifests itself in the lives of, of, of God's people. I'm going to show you that as we go along. But one of the ways that we manifest the culture of God's kingdom is through something that we've already looked at last week, and that's by asking permission. You see, I want you to understand that one of the kingdom characteristics of God's sons and daughters is that of asking permission. The individual that fails to ask God permission is not cultivating a kingdom culture in their life. They're cultivating a selfish culture, which represents the culture of this world. This world, what? They do, they do what's right in their own eyes. They don't seek permission for everything. If it feels good, they do it. But what we need to understand is that when you ask permission of the king, like we talked about last week, you are cultivating a kingdom culture in your life. And when you do that, the kingdom will come into your life. God's favor will come into your life like we talked about last week. When Nehemiah went before the king and asked permission, guess what he was doing? He was making a deposit. He was cultivating a kingdom quality and a kingdom characteristic and a kingdom culture in his life. And when he did, you know what happened. The favor of God was returned into his life. We looked at Nehemiah last week who went before the king and asked permission to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates. And not only did the king say yes when he made that request, the king gave him everything he needed to have that request fulfilled. And we learned that last week, that when we ask permission of the king, not only does he tell us yes, he gives everything we need to make sure that request is fulfilled in our lives, to make sure that that request is accomplished in our lives. And that happened because he was pleasing, because he asked permission, church, and because he found favor. It's because that's the power of permission, church. It, it must be part of our kingdom, uh, our kingdom character, and that's asking permission. Yielding ourselves to the authority of God, yielding ourselves to the government of God, must be a part of the culture that we cultivate in our lives. And when we do that, the kingdom of God will come, church. What we have to realize is that when we ask permission, we are honoring the person to whom we make the request. When Nehemiah went before the king and asked permission, he was honoring the authority of the king. When, when a child goes and asks permission of his mother and father, he is honoring the authority of his mother and father. When a student goes and asks permission of the teacher, he is honoring the, the authority and the position of the teacher. And I want you to understand that when we ask permission of the king, we are honoring the authority and the position of the king. We are putting him in his rightful place, and we are putting ourselves in a rightful place of well. We are making ourselves a servant and subservient to the king when we ask permission of the king. And this is what you need to understand, is that when we humble ourselves, the Bible says, in the sight of God... Then he lifts us up. And when you ask permission of the king, I want you to understand that you are putting yourself in a place of blessing. When you ask permission of the king, you are putting in yourself in a place of humility where king, where the king can exalt you and the king can lift you up just like he did with Jesus Christ. Jesus, when he was in the garden, he asked permission for something. When he prayed, he asked permission for the cup to pass from him. But yet he said, you know what, God, not my will, but thy will be done. 
He honored the authority of his father. And because he did church, he was exalted to a place of honor. He was exalted to that place which is above every place and given the name which is above every name. I want you to understand that that's the power of permission. And we must cultivate that character and that culture in our lives, church. Not doing whatever we please. Not, not doing what we want and then asking for forgiveness later. That's not kingdom culture. Well, I'll go do this and then I'll just ask God to forgive me later. That's not cultivating the kingdom culture in your life. That's worldly culture. Shoot and ask questions later. That's not how the kingdom of God operates, and we need to learn that, church. Asking permission recognizes the authority and honors that authority in the process. It makes God king, and it reminds us that we are not our own, that we have been bought with a price, and when we ask permission of the king, we are glorifying the king in our life. When we ask permission, it's a way of humbling ourselves so that we can be lifted up, church. What I want uh, you to understand, and I hope that you understand so far, is that the kingdom of God is real. The kingdom of God is not some figment of your imagination. The kingdom of God is just not something that, that man writes about. The kingdom of God is not some fairy tale, some make-believe story. The kingdom of God is real, church. I want you to understand that it functions like a kingdom because it is a kingdom. I want you to understand that the kingdom of God is real. And that's why I'm teaching you all about kingdom living. If you don't believe the kingdom of God is real and that it operates like a kingdom, it'll never be fulfilled in your life. If you don't believe the kingdom of God is real, if you don't believe it's anything more than a fairy tale and a figment of our imagination and some kind of poetry written down in the word of God, his kingdom can never come into your life. But the more you begin to understand that the kingdom of God is real, the more you begin to understand that the kingdom of God operates like a real kingdom, that there is a king and that there is positions of authority and power, and you understand the meaning of authority and power that has been given to us as sons and daughters of the king, that kingdom experience will happen in your life. If you don't realize that, it'll never come. Here's what I want you to understand as we move along. One of the realities we have to grasp is the fact that every kingdom has a culture. Once you understand the culture, church, you understand its people. What I mean by that is all you have to do is look at the culture of Hollywood to understand the people that make up Hollywood. When you look at the culture of Hollywood, you all know it. It's self-indulgent. The culture of Hollywood is filled with sexual promiscuity. The, the, the culture of Hollywood, you know, it's all about the rich and famous. It's all about me, myself, and I. You know the culture of Hollywood. It's doing what's right in your own eyes. The culture of Hollywood is filled with lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So when you understand the culture, you understand the people. And when you realize that the culture is manifested through the people, it, it begins to cause us as citizens of the kingdom of God to be very careful what culture we cultivate as well in our lives. Now, all those things that I just said, that could represent a lot of different cultures, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. What I just said doesn't just represent Hollywood. Unfortunately, it represents United States of America. Unfortunately, it represents a lot of other nations and cultures around this globe. But my point in all of that is, whether it's Hollywood or any other nation, is that once you understand the culture, you understand the people. 
Everything that makes a nation what it is, is wrapped up, church, in its culture. And that culture manifests itself in the lives of its people. The culture of every country, nation, tribe, like I told you, is manifested. It is reflected, church. It's made known. It's visible through the lives of its people. So when someone looks at my life and someone looks at your life, The way I live, the way I act, the way I dress, the way I talk, the way I behave, the way I do business, the way I eat, the way I sing, the way I talk. Everything about my life manifests the culture which is being cultivated in my life. It manifests in all reality the kingdom that I belong to. The way that I live, the way that I behave, everything about my life and everything about your life makes it clear to the rest of the world where your citizenship lies. If our life reflects the culture of this world, then we are kids of that kingdom rather than the kingdom of God. And here's what we need to understand. It is very important what culture we are allowing to be cultivated in our life, church. The question is what culture is being cultivated in our lives? What culture is being made manifest in our lives? It is, the king, is it the kingdom of darkness or is it the kingdom of light? Are we cultivating the culture of Christ in our lives or are we cultivating a culture of carnality in our lives? It's a, it's a question that we must answer, each and every one of us, on every occasion that we can. What culture am I cultivating in my life? What kingdom am I making manifest in my life and in every area of my life? You see, whatever the answer to that question is, it demonstrates the kingdom to which we belong. The truth is, the culture of every kingdom is manifest in a lot of different ways. I could probably talk about 10 or 20 different ways tonight that that, the culture is made manifest in our life. I don't have the time. So I'm going to focus on a few that I think will be easy to make a, a, a parallel or a connection between an earthly culture and the, the culture of our kingdom. And one of the very first things, the main manifestations of every culture is the language of its people. One of the main manifestations, church, of every culture lies in the language of its people. Every kingdom, every nation, every tribe, every people, church, has a language. I'm speaking English this evening, but every nation, every tribe, every people has a language. And even though many nations speak different languages and different dialects, what we have to realize is that they all have a national language. They all have a language that has been established as their national language, and it makes up their culture, church. It's often required to be learned even before you can become a citizen. There are many countries, many nations where you cannot become a citizen and enjoy anything that that nation has to offer until you learn their language. You can't become a citizen. You can't enjoy the benefits. You can't enjoy the blessings. You can't enjoy all of the things that citizenship has to offer until you learn the language. I don't know if it's still that way in the United States, but it used to be. My mother came over from Germany. She had to learn English before she became a U.S. citizen, before she could benefit from all of the things the United States have to offer. Listen, I hope you're making a parallel. Until you learn the language of the kingdom of God, until you learn the language of the kingdom of God, you cannot fully experience everything the kingdom has to offer you in your life. 
You, you need to learn the language of the kingdom of God before the kingdom of God can come into your life. Before you can truly say, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I want you to understand that the kingdom has a language, church. And the language manifests that culture. I want you to understand, listen to me, church. There is a language that sets us apart as Christians from every other nation. There is a language that sets us apart as sons and daughters of the Most High God from every other culture all across this land. Every other earthly culture, there is a language that we are to have implemented in our lives in order to have the kingdom of God come. I hope I'm not too teachy, and I hope that I can break this down in a way that you can understand. My point is, the Word of God tells us in Ephesians 4.29, that there is to be therefore no corrupt language. No filthy language, no corrupt language, no unclean language, no vulgarity, no impure speech or language that is to come from your mouth. Why? Because you belong to another kingdom. Because you belong to another culture. Because you belong to the kingdom of God. And as sons and daughters of God, our mouths are not to reflect the culture of this world. They are to come forth and reflect the culture of the kingdom of God. And you can do a whole study on what the, what the, what the mouths of, of Christians are supposed to speak, and I'm not going to take the time to do that. I just want you to understand that your language sets you apart from the rest of this world. I want you to understand that the language of the kingdom sets you apart from the kingdom of this world. And if you're talking like this world and cursing like this world and lying like this world and gossiping like this world and slandering like this world, You are not reflecting the culture of the kingdom of God. And you've got to question your citizenship. You've got to begin to question, what kingdom do I really belong to? Because if you belong to the kingdom of God, your language will prove it. Your language will demonstrate that I'm no longer my own. I've been bought by a price, and my citizenship is in the kingdom of God. The language sets you apart. Your language manifests the culture that you are cultivating in your life, church. When you curse up a storm and use foul language, you are manifesting a carnal, sinful culture. Not the culture of the kingdom of God. You're demonstrating the culture of the wrong kingdom. Another area of our language, church, is when you speak with fear, when you speak with doubt, when you speak with frustration, we are not manifesting The language of the kingdom. When you and I walk around grumbling and complaining about our situation and our circumstance. When we are, oh, woe is me. When we begin to just, our mouths and our language is filled with fear and frustration, church. We are not manifesting the culture of the kingdom of God. Give you an example. When the disciples were in a boat traveling to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus was with them in the boat. The Bible tells us that halfway along the way, a storm came upon them to keep them from where they were going. It wasn't a storm by the Lord, as far as I know, but anyway, it's another story. A storm arose, and the men began to panic, and the men began to fear, and they were rowing and rowing and getting nowhere. How many of you know that, man, that's just the way life is sometimes? You're rowing, 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 you just don't get anywhere. But my point is this. These disciples ran over to Jesus, who was asleep in the back of the boat, because he trusted in his Father, because he understood 
his position. He understood that there was no weapon formed against him that was about to prosper. He knew his time wasn't up. He knew his time wasn't done. So he was resting in his father. We should do the same thing, church. We should learn how to rest in the father. But they ran over to, the disciples ran over to Jesus and they shook him. Jesus, Jesus, wake up. Aren't you aware there's a storm going on? Don't you realize we're about to perish? And actually they said, Jesus, don't you care that we are perishing? They thought their life was coming to an end. And out of their mouth they spoke nothing but fear. Out of their mouth they spoke absolutely no faith in that. I want you to understand that Jesus rose up from his slumber and Jesus rose up from his sleep and he stretched forth his hand and he spoke, peace, be still. I want you to understand that Jesus didn't just speak to the wind and the waves, church. He spoke to their lack of faith as well. He spoke to their lack of faith, which was demonstrated in their words. They did not demonstrate faith, church. You need to understand that our language, church, reflects the culture that we are cultivating in our lives. And what we need to do, church, is learn the language of the kingdom so that we can speak it in every occasion we face throughout our lives. David, when he faced Goliath, he spoke the language of God. Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, tempted by the devil, he spoke the language of God. You understand what I'm talking about, the language of God? I want you to realize that this is the language of God. The reality is there's so many individuals in the house of God and in the family of God that call themselves citizens that don't even know the language of God. There's so many individuals that don't know the the language, can't speak the language, don't understand the language because they never read the language, because they never study the language, because they never practice the language. Listen, when you go to another country and you're hired to go do a job somewhere else and it's a foreign country, you better bet that you're going to study the language. You better bet that you're going to read the language. You better bet that you're going to learn the language. You're going to be lost. And the reality is there's so many people in the house of God that are still lost because they have not learned the language of God. The reality is until you know the language of the kingdom, the kingdom cannot come into your life. When the devil comes against you, if you don't know the language, guess what? You're going to lose your fight. You understand what I'm saying? I hope you realize that the language of God, listen to me, church, the language of God has authority over every other language that exists on the face of this earth, in the heavens and below. The language of God, church, has more authority over every other language that there is. The language of God has authority over the language of fear. The language of God, the language of God has authority over the word of your doctor. The language of God has authority over the word of your abusive spouse or abusive parents. The language of God has authority over the the language of your boss, over the language of the devil, over the language of every other language, word that will be spoken into your life. And until you and I learn this language, church, we can't use it. We cannot experience victory and the kingdom of God will not be cultivated in our lives. Listen, it's one thing to call ourselves Christians. But the real question is, is the kingdom being cultivated in our lives? Is it being manifested in the way that I speak? Is it being manifested in all these other areas that we're going to look at? We must learn the language of God, church. Listen, when someone's born again 
and they transfer their citizenship from the kingdom of carnality into the, into the kingdom of Christ, the very first thing they must learn is a new language. Must learn a new language, church, because if they don't, they'll have no clue how to get around that kingdom. If they don't learn that language, they'll have no clue how to communicate to the king. They'll have no clue how to communicate to the citizens of that kingdom. I hope you're getting what I'm saying, church. We must learn the language of the kingdom or we're going to be nothing more uh, than, than like a tor- tourist in a, a foreign land that doesn't know the language and doesn't know how to get around. Doesn't know how to communicate, doesn't know how to ask for anything, doesn't know how to get where they're going. They got to go to some book real quick just to figure out one little word. And that's the way most of us operate in our life. We'll run to the Bible and open this up for one little area that we need. Instead of learning the language, we learn one little word or one little verse. And we think that we can apply that to every little thing that we're going to face throughout our life. This is a language we must learn. It's that important. It's like one of the number one things. If you don't know the language of a land, you're never going to feel like you belong in that land. The reality is, and this is like a two-part thing, one of the things that you and I need to realize is that we don't belong to this kingdom, this kingdom of earth. We belong to another kingdom. And when we live on this earth and some and people around us begin to talk like this kingdom, we should feel out of place. When they begin to talk dirty and they begin to talk foul and they begin to tell dirty jokes and they're, they're lying and slandering and bickering about their boss and they're, they're saying this and they're saying all these, these ugly things, we should feel out of place. We should feel like we don't belong because that language doesn't make sense to us because that language, I don't understand that language. Where's that coming from? But the reality is there's a lot of us that know that language better than this language. We know how to grumble better than we know how to praise. We know how to fear rather than stepping up in courage. We know how to bicker instead of yielding. You understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of us that know the language of this world better than we know the language of God. And we wonder why the kingdom of God isn't coming into our life. We wonder why we're not experienced kingdom living. And I don't mean to keep going on, but we have not learned the language, church. We have to cultivate this this culture of language in our life because if we don't we're going to be lost if we don't we won't be able to communicate if you when you come into the kingdom of god and you don't learn the language on the other end you're going to feel like you never fit here if you come out of the kingdom of darkness and you don't learn the language of god when you come into church when you come into the fellowship of other christians you're going to feel like you don't belong what are they talking about what's he preaching about What's that? What's all this revelation stuff, Pastor? None of it makes sense because you haven't yet learned the language. You're sitting in fellowship and everybody, oh, they're so excited about God and talking about Scripture and they're testifying and you're, they're doing all this and you're sitting there. What's up with that? I don't understand any of that. Man, they're, you know, because you don't know the language, because you don't fit in. There's so many people that wonder why they've not plugged into the church. And it's basically because they have not learned the language. The first thing someone must do when they come into the kingdom of light is learn the language of God. And begin to cultivate it in their life so that it can become manifest in their life, church. The truth is the culture of an individual is easily identified through their language. The culture of the kingdom is also manifest 
through the priorities of the people. We already looked at that. One of the easiest ways to distinguish what culture you and I belong to is to determine what the person's priorities are. You know, the priorities of every nation and every people are different. But the priorities of the sons and daughters of God should be exactly the same. Whether you live in Africa, whether you live in England, whether you live in the United States, whether you live in the north, whether you live in the south, whether you live in the east, whether you live in the west, whether you live in the hood, whether you live in Beverly Hills, no matter where you are, if you belong to the kingdom of God, understand me, your priorities should be exactly the same. Because we don't belong to Hollywood, and we don't belong to Beverly Hills, and we don't belong to, to, to Noonan, and we don't belong to Sharpford. We belong to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has different priorities than the priorities of this world. And yet we find ourselves, even as sons and daughters of the Most High God, running after all the priorities of this world. We want to be like the rich and the famous. We want to be like the movie stars. We want to be like Hollywood. We want to be like all these other things out there. And, and our priorities get worse. And our priorities get out of place and we wonder why the kingdom of God's not coming into our lives. Why? Because we're not cultivating the culture of the kingdom in our life because our priorities are out of whack. It's easy to look at somebody's life and determine what culture is being cultivated just simply by looking at their priorities. If, church, if the house of God is not a priority in somebody's life, what goes on in their life is of no surprise to me. You look at the priorities of individuals and you can tell what culture they belong to. Understand that the people are identified by their culture. And so these are things that we need to understand. We've already learned about the priorities, but uh, what we have to understand is the most important to the people develops the culture of the people. What's most important to you will develop who you are. What's most important to me will develop who I am. The priorities that I have in life will determine the outcome of my life. And we need to keep that in mind. For some nations, listen, education is a priority. For some nations, personal freedoms are a priority. For some nations, economics are a priority. For others, military power is a priority. But every culture is made up of the priorities of its people. So the question is, part of the series that the Holy Spirit asks us are, what are your priorities? And what, what are your priorities cultivating in your life? Do your priorities reflect the culture of the kingdom of God or the culture of the kingdom of this world? The Bible tells us that as sons and daughters of the Most High God, we're to seek first the kingdom of God and His priorities. For, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, our priority should be, what's your will, God? What do you want of me today, God? I'm seeking your will and not my own today. We need to get our priorities straight. Our priorities have to be God's priorities. Understand the priorities of our life are the direct reflection or a direct reflection of the culture that we are cultivating in our lives. So we've got to watch our priorities. Another option or another manifestation church is personal behavior. Our personal behavior is another manifestation of the culture that we are cultivating in our lives. Look at the way a person behaves, and you will quickly determine the culture that is being cultivated in their life. Look at a person, look at the way a person behaves, and a lot of times you can tell what culture or even what kingdom or nation they belong to. Every nation acts differently, behaves differently. But the sons and daughters of the Most High God are all to behave exactly the same. We're to behave like sons and daughters of the Most High God Church. Listen, look around. Look at our society. I've already talked about it. You can tell real quickly, church, 
by the behavior of the United States and the society we live in, what culture is being cultivated. If I was to say real quickly, well, the the culture of the United States, again, I said, it's like Hollywood. It's self-indulgent. It's violent. Look at the behavior of this world. It's self-indulgent. It's violent. It's filled with drunkenness and promiscuity and carousing and partying and all sorts of other things. The Bible makes it clear. These are not to be named among us. This is not supposed to be part of our culture, part of our lives. We're to be cultivating a different culture. In Exodus 18.20, Moses was trying to lead the children of Israel that came out of Egypt. And he was trying, he was leading them or trying to lead them to the promised land. And as they were going, there was chaos. Imagine so many thousands, millions of people traveling from one place to another. Moses' father-in-law noticed the chaos and the confusion, church, that was going on amongst the children of God. He began to notice some ungodly behavior that was taking place among the children of God, the chosen ones, the ones that were called out of bondage, and God spoke to and told them that he was going to take them to a promised land. But Moses' father-in-law noticed some improper behavior. And he went to Moses and he said, Moses, look, man, I'm using my words This is not acceptable what's going on. And he said, here's what you need to do, Moses. You must teach them God's decrees and instructions. Show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. What you and I need to understand is that there is a right way to behave as the sons and daughters of God and a wrong way. There is a right way that we as citizens of the kingdom of God are to behave. And there's a wrong way as well. And the way that we behave will reflect clearly to those around us what kingdom we are committed to, what culture is being cultivated in our lives, what culture is having a greater influence in our lives, what kingdom is having more more influence in our lives, church. And it has to do with our behavior. What you have to understand that God was trying to cultivate in this in this group of people a kingdom culture. He brought them out of bondage. Remember, this is the same group of people that didn't know what it meant to be a king. They lived in bondage forever. Remember, our founding passage was how, how they had to be taught the ways of royalty. Because they didn't know how royalty was supposed to live. They didn't know how princes were supposed to live and princesses were supposed to live. How sons and daughters of God were supposed to live because they'd been living in bondage. They'd been living like slaves. And God was trying to cultivate within them a kingdom culture. And he's trying to cultivate in all of our lives that same culture as well. So that the way we behave is a reflection of God's kingdom and not the kingdom of this world. The problem is, even in the house of God, the behavior of God's people is not pleasing to him sometimes. The behavior of God's people more often than we would like to admit, reflects the wrong culture and reflects the wrong kingdom. And we need to make sure that we behave, church, like sons and daughters of God. When a child is born into this world, this world, a world of darkness, this world that I'm talking about, you know as well as I do, how many of you got kids? You don't have to teach them how to do wrong. You don't have to teach a child how to lie. No one had to teach me how to cheat on a test in school. No one, had, no one had to teach me how to lose my anger. No one had to teach, no one has to teach us how to curse. No one, had to, no one has to teach us how to be a reflection of the kingdom of this world. We have to be taught the ways of royalty. 
We have to talk. We have to be taught proper behavior. It doesn't just happen. The reality is, my point is, we must take the time to cultivate the right culture in our lives so it's manifested in the, the behavior of the kingdom of God. When we behave like this world, we cannot expect the kingdom of God to come into our life. When we behave like this world, church, we are making false claims to the kingdom of God. If you, if you and I want to make claims to the kingdom of God, we must behave like the kingdom of God as well. I know you all know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. When it comes to the kingdom of God, there is a right and expected way to behave. God expects you and I to behave in a particular way. He expects us to speak in a particular way. He expects us to dress in a particular way. And I'm not going to get at that one, but that's another manifestation. The things we dress and the way that we eat. These are all, these are all manifestations of the culture that we're a part of. And we need to take care, even in the way that we eat, and take care of the way that we dress, so that we are cultivating the right culture in our lives. But I want you to understand that, that God expects His sons and daughters to behave in a particular way. In Ephesians 5.8, it says, You were formerly citizens of the kingdom of darkness. You were formerly children of darkness, but now you are children of light. Now you are citizens of the kingdom of light, so you are to walk like children of light. In other words, he was saying you are to walk with a kingdom culture. You're to behave with a kingdom culture. You're to talk with a kingdom culture and dress with a kingdom culture so that when someone looks at your life, there's no question what kingdom you belong to. So that when someone hears you speak, there's no question what culture is being cultivated in your life. This is the responsibility that we have, church. Our behavior is a major manifestation of the kingdom to which we belong. The level, as I begin to wind this down, the level of our moral conscience, the ethics that we hold to, the social norms that we have established in our lives, they reveal the culture to which we belong as well. And, I, and what we want to understand is that those things, church, our moral conscience, our ethics, and the social norms that we establish in our lives are a direct reflection of the kingdom to which we belong. Point, point is this. Do we shrug at adultery and other forms of uh, infidelity? Or does it cause us to be burdened like the Holy Spirit is burdened? Do we excuse homosexuality as an alternative lifestyle like so many individuals do? Do we cringe when we hear about abortion anymore? Or has it just become normal and acceptable to the family of God? Do we grieve over what grieves God, church? The, que the, the, the question that I'm posing with these things is, what culture are we cultivating in our lives? What are we considering social norms anymore? And, and those social norms will dictate, church, what, what culture we have yielded ourselves to. Listen, if shacking up is normal and acceptable to you, there's something wrong in your relationship with God. If shacking up and sleeping around with one person this weekend and another person that weekend is acceptable and normal to you, there's something wrong about the culture that's being cultivated in your life. The reality of is sleeping around is normal and acceptable to a son or daughter of God. There's something wrong with our relationship with the Father, church. 
If, if our teens receiving condoms in high school so they can have safe, safe sex is normal and acceptable to us as Christian parents, there's something wrong about the culture that is being cultivated in our lives. If, if, if you think that having one kid or a handful of kids out of wedlock is normal and acceptable, there is something wrong with the culture that is being cultivated in our lives. Because listen, none of what I just talked about has anything to do with the culture of the kingdom of God. It is a reproach upon the kingdom of God. And none of these things are to be named among those who say they belong to the kingdom of God. We must understand, church, that what we consider acceptable and normal, if it reflects the kingdom of this world, we better question our citizenship. We better begin to question what culture am I really cultivating in my life and what kingdom is having most influence in my life. There is nothing acceptable and normal in the eyes of God to any of those things that I just mentioned. So they should not be normal or acceptable to us as well. You see, the reason that God told us to go out and possess the land, the reason that he told us to go out and multiply and subdue the earth is so that these things would not take place on the earth. God wants this earth to be a reflection. That's the way he designed it. It's the way he created it. And when you and I begin to compromise and you and I begin to accept these things as normal and acceptable, you think the kingdom of God's going to come? You think that we're going to experience that in our life? No way. Until we begin to cultivate the, the culture of the kingdom in our lives, we cannot expect the kingdom of God because we're manifesting those things, the culture of, of this world and not the culture of the kingdom. In Jeremiah 8.12, I'm going to try to find a place to start to wind this down, but I've got a couple points I need to make. In Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 12, God asked, are they even ashamed of their loathsome conduct? Are they even ashamed at their loathsome behavior? And God answered his own question and he said, no, they don't even know how to blush at their own sin. You see, the reality is we're living in a society and we're living in a nation that doesn't even blush over their sin anymore. They don't hide their sin. They don't care about their sin they're not broken over their sin. They're not saddened over their sin. They're not convicted over their sin. They don't even blush over the sin. The sin, the things that used to be done in the darkness, now is done right live on TV. The things that were done behind closed doors, people can't wait to put up on the Internet or put on YouTube or, or video on their phone and show it to the whole world. God was saying we're living in a society that doesn't even blush over the things that grieve God. Blush over the things that used to embarrass people, people aren't embarrassed over anymore. They take pictures of their own naked bodies and stick them up on the Internet for the whole world to see. And then they wonder why they get fired somewhere down the road. The reality is their consciences are so seared. And my point is this, church. We must realize that if we accept and think these things are normal... And they don't grieve us and they don't break our heart. There's something wrong about the culture that's being cultivated in our lives. 
I could go on and on about the manifestations, church, uh, uh, concerning the cultures that we cling to. I could go on and on about the manifestations that, that demonstrate what kingdom we belong to and what culture is being developed in our lives. But above all that, what I want us to remind us is that in 1 Corinthians 5.1, Paul writes to the church. He writes to the people of God, to the holy priesthood and the holy nation. And this is what he said. is It is actually reported... That there is immorality among you, an immorality that is even greater than that which is ever found among the Gentiles. Paul was shocked that there was immorality in the, in the house of God. Get that. He was shocked that there was immorality dwelling in the house of God. I'm not shocked anymore. Pastors aren't shocked anymore that there's immorality taking place in the house of God. There's something wrong with that. Because the house of God should be sacred. Because the children of God are to be demonstrating, cultivating a kingdom culture in their life. Instead of the culture of this world. And yet the house of God is filled with all sorts of behavior. Like there, it shocked Paul. And he said there's something wrong These things should not be named among you. You're cultivating the wrong culture in this church. I want you and I to understand that the house of God is supposed to be a beacon and a lighthouse to the lost. The house of God is supposed to be set apart from the rest of this world. You and I, who are temples of God, are to be set apart from the rest of this world. So when someone looks at us, church, they can see a different culture being cultivated in your life and my life. When they listen to you talk at work, there's something about that person that's not the same as everyone else. When they watch you do business... When they look at your marriage, when they look at your family, this world should be able to say there's something about that individual that's different. Why? Because that individual has cultivated a different culture in their life. They have come to that place where they realize this world isn't where I belong. My, my kingdom and my home is in heaven. My father is God. And I must cultivate that culture in my life. It's the only way we will fulfill the Great Commission. And it's the only way that the kingdom of God will come into our lives, church. The truth is, as I close, we will cultivate one of two kingdoms in our life. The kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. The kingdom of the culture of Christ or the culture of this world and carnality. And God is saying, look, as my sons, as my daughters... There is a culture that must be manifested in your life. You have to cultivate it. It doesn't just come. You have to cultivate that culture in your life. Learn the new language, church. Learn the the language and the priorities and the personal behavior and the, the things that we celebrate and our ethics and our morality. They will all, church, establish a kingdom culture in our life if they're the right ones. So I close with this. If you're here tonight... You know, I had to examine myself as I was going through this study and I was said to myself, you know, God, there's areas in my life. If I, I mean, I looked at a much bigger list than I shared with you, but some of these areas, God, I'm not cultivating properly in my life. There, there's some there's some cultivating of a kingdom culture, God, that has to take place in my life. And God's asking the same thing tonight. He's just asking if there's anyone here tonight that looks at their life 
And they're saying, God, I need to do a better job of cultivating your kingdom in my life. I need to do a better job, God, of cultivating a kingdom language and cultivating kingdom priorities and cultivating kingdom behavior, cultivating uh, kingdom morals and kingdom ethics and, and, and kingdom thought processes in my life. If, if any of that is you and you're saying, God, I need to do a better job of cultivating your kingdom in my life, I want you to stand to your feet, and that's what we're going to pray this evening. Because, listen, church, until we're willing to pray that prayer... His kingdom won't come into our life and we will not experience kingdom living. I know that this this was a lot more teachy than normal, but I wanted you to understand, church, that we must learn the ways of royalty before we can expect the blessings of royalty to come into our lives. So as I pray, you examine yourself, you speak to God and let him do a work. Father God, we just thank you for your word this evening. Father God, I thank you that you don't. You don't just expect things of us, God, but you you teach us the things that you expect. And not only do you teach us these things, Father, you give us everything that we need to make sure that we are able to implement them in our lives. And God, I'm just thinking about the culture of the kingdom that you want to see developed among your people. God, you want to develop, Father God, in us a kingdom language. You want us to be careful, Father God, the type of language that we allow to be cultivated in our lives. And my prayer, God, is that every time we open our mouth, that is a reflection, Father God, of your kingdom. God, that every time we speak and people hear those words, they hear a, a, a little bit of heaven, that they hear a little bit of Christ, that they hear something different, Father God, than what they normally hear here on this kingdom called earth. I pray, Father God, that every time we communicate to our spouses and communicate to our friends and communicate to our bosses and communicate to our children and and communicate to anyone else in, in our life, Father God, that we would use kingdom language, Father God. I pray that we would learn how to speak your word, Father God, so that we could have authority over every other word that might be spoken against our lives, God. We need to learn that language. God, I pray that you would help us to cultivate kingdom priorities in our lives, to forget about ourselves and concentrate on you, God, to forget about me, myself, and I, and what I want, me wants, and myself wants, and that we would yield ourselves to what you want. That we would be able to humble ourselves like your son Jesus Christ did, who even asking permission to have the cup of suffering passed from him, said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And because he surrendered himself, God, you exalted him to a higher place. Let us learn to cultivate those priorities in our lives. God, help us to cultivate kingdom behavior in our lives. The way that we act and the way that we carry ourselves and not filled with temper and not filled with hatred and not filled with violence, Lord God. Not filled with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and and the pride of life. But I pray, God, that our life and our behavior would be a reflection of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. God, I, I pray that everything that we think, everything that we do, our ethics and our beliefs and the standards which we hold to God would reflect the kingdom of God as well. All of these areas, God, I pray that you would cultivate a kingdom culture in our lives so that your kingdom might come into our lives. 
so that we could truly experience kingdom living, Father God, and understand what it means to be sons and daughters of God and royalty, Father. Teach us these things and then give us the courage to develop these things in our lives, I pray. God, as your people go, I pray that you would cover them. I pray, Father God, that you would keep them from all forms of evil, Father, that you would widen the steps beneath their feet, that they would not stumble or fall. Give them wisdom, give them direction, give them healing, give them faith, strength, and courage, Lord God, and help all of us to advance the kingdom of God in this world. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Can we just bless the Lord, church? Amen. If you have a particular need, as always, be happy to tarry with you and pray with you. But otherwise, go and cultivate the kingdom in your life.